1: Hello and welcome to the to the 11th episode of the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm doing alright, Ben. How are you? I'm doing pretty well and today we are going to cover some things, but... But before we get into our topic, um, we're going to talk about some news um, as there was another 2021 draft prospect that decided to spurn college and go to the G League, and that is uh, UCLA commit Daishan Nix, who has – I'm pretty sure he's the first one. um, Todd and Green didn't sign letters of intent, but Nix signed a letter of intent uh, pretty early on with UCLA. Um, And now Nix has decided to go play with Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd in the G League. And if you missed um, – and if you're una- if you're unaware of what's going on, you can um, go back to, I think, last episode we talked about this. And there's news about it everywhere. But uh, essentially, um, there's going to be a new G League team with this prospect initiative for Jalen Green and Todd and Nix and whoever who are going to play a G League schedule to get experience and prepare for the draft instead of going to college. So, yeah, Daisha and Nicks, um um has has received a lot of hype recently um and it's being touted as one of the better point guard prospects in the 2021 drafts, and should get and should be exciting to watch with Jalen green and isaiah todd um in the g league next year
0: yeah if you want a little depth on Daishen Nix, go to episode four our 2021 preview with ross homan um Nix, I, I know in, like, one of Shams Charania's tweets about this, he said he's arguably the best point guard in the 2021 class. That is just a lie, frankly. Um, even if you're not counting Cade Cunningham as a point guard, which, I mean, I guess you could, but that doesn't make any sense because he's the best initiator prospect in the class by a huge margin. Um, Nicks is, like, nowhere near Jalen Suggs, Jaden Springer, even, like, the Caleb Loves of the world. And then some of the returners, I think even you could make the argument for them over uh, Knicks, depending on who comes back. Uh, he He's definitely an interesting prospect, but his combination of sort of iffy shooting and lacking burst and vertical for a guard is pretty concerning. And just like his decision making comes and goes, even with some really high level passing flashes uh, and just kind of fits into a larger narrative of this G League uh, program, bringing in some risky guys like Jalen Green is is going to be good. I'm pretty, pretty confident in that. But Isaiah Todd and Nix, I think were both guys who were pretty good bets to wind up being multi-year college guys among highly rated recruits. Uh, I think like I think Nix is definitely a more serious prospect than Todd. Uh, he I think he's pretty good, but just might not have been able to score consistently at the college level. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is turning into a risky bunch for the G League.
1: Yeah, and I'll say in terms of team fit, it's it's pretty nice with Green and Todd, as as Jalen Green finally has someone has someone um, to pass to him, and Knicks will definitely do a good job setting up Green and Todd, as he is a pretty excellent passer. But yeah, it's definitely questionable at this point to really know how Knicks is going to hold up against G League um, competition because they're going to be playing against actual G League teams, so. Which are like pretty professional players, so we're going to see how Nick's holds up. Um, and probably, potentially, would have had more success at UCLA, given like Max said his athletic deficiencies. But still, an interesting prospect nonetheless with his combination of passing and general size and strength and ability to and just be impactful on defense with that strength. Yeah, Daishan Nicks to the G League. Um, I imagine it won't be. I imagine he won't be the last prospect to head to the G League um before this thing is all over so yeah uh, i think with that unless we have anything else to say on that we can get into our topic for the episode
0: no let's go into the topic so something that we've talked about before uh on this podcast i think mainly in the context of eve pawn as a value alternative to precious achua is that some of the highly regarded guys uh in in you know mainstream circles have sort of counterparts that have much lower stock that we think are pretty comparable bets, or at least worthwhile alternatives at their uh, at their slots. And so, with this episode, we're just gonna we're gonna talk about a handful of of value alternatives, uh, and we'll mention we'll mention where they are on uh, the ESPN Draft Express, whatever you want to call it uh, board. Um, just so you have an idea of of the stock disparity uh, for some guys that that in most cases are pretty comparable prospects, or sometimes we even think the the lower ranked guy is superior. Um, I guess you, well, let's just start with with Precious and Eve because they have uh, DX has Precious twelfth and Eve not ranked, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I mean we, we we won't go in any depth on this really because we've talked about it a bunch before. Um, but just as like undersized, bouncy, strong centers, Precious has more standing reach, which matters. But, um, I like, I don't think that taking him in the lottery is, is a better bet than taking Eve in, or I mean, not taking Eve, (laughs) like signing him as an undrafted free agent. Um, I, I don't know that either is a particularly high value NBA player. I think Precious is probably a higher probability NBA player, but not by, that much uh and i think like crucially like e- eve i think is farther along as a shooting prospect and they're very close in age even though eve is a uh junior and precious is a freshman
1: yeah not much to add there yeah i think eve is probably the better defender at this point even though you said precious standing precious standing reach does matter in terms of playing the five but eve is just incredibly bouncy um he just destroys every shot in sight um, yeah
0: eve eve moves better too I think. Move,
1: yeah yeah i think precious is often billed as this like one through five switchable guy which is just not true uh, and eve isn't that either but i think he's closer to being um more tenable on the perimeter than, than precious Though precious isn't like bad there yeah so offensively um both similar both similarly not very skilled and not the smartest though i think eve has improved um, as he's gotten older, um and as he's played more years at Tennessee, but yeah, not much say there. definitely would rather spend an undrafted uh, spend an undrafted contract on pawns than than spend a lottery pick or even like a first round pick on on precious. So yeah, that, I think we do. we'll get into our guy. so um Max, do you wanna go with your first? Your yeah, first I'll pair? do my
0: first one since for the other ones, we're gonna at least have like a brief guessing period to see uh, to see if we can figure out who the other one was um. You know, suggesting, but this is one that actually kind of sparked this this episode, and it was one that I tweeted about. And it's Josh Green, who uh, ESPN has at twenty one versus Aaron Henry, who they do not have ranked. I think that's probably more of fun. I think they had him ranked and took him out because they thought he wasn't going to declare, and he declared kind of at the deadline. Um, but just kind of undersized wings slash like well sized off guards who. Primarily drive their value defensively, uh, have pretty nice passing chops, but questionable shots. Um, and like fairly strong uh, and bursty, both of them. But I think that Josh Green, you know, was a much more highly touted prospect coming in, um, and Aaron Aaron Henry is is you know a year ahead of him. Uh, he's a sophomore as opposed to Green being a freshman. Um, but I, I don't see a huge difference between them. I've got green ahead by a little bit, but I would take them in a very similar range. I don't think I'd begrudge someone for having them in in different orders. Um, I think that I'm trying to. I don't know. Do you, you have anything to say while while I, while I try to iron out thoughts on them?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah, they're they're quite similar. I mean, there's minor difference. I like. Like on defense, I would say Henry's better on the ball. Yeah. Well, Green's better off the ball. Um exactly. I do trust Henry more as a driver, and I trust him more with the ball in his hands. Um as he's like I, I mean, he's very ambidextrous as a finisher to the point where actually he's probably a righty. Yeah, he, I don't he, I don't he favors his right, so maybe not.
0: I don't know that Henry's even ambidextrous. He just shoots left and finishes and shoots runners with his right like he's he's yeah. a righty i'm pretty sure this was like yeah, a run I so. score, he'll go out
1: of the way yeah
0: he goes out of his way to finish with his right when finishing with his
1: left we prefer yeah i still trust him more i think as a driver overall mm-hmm. green um speaking about their jumpers um i think i'd buy josh green a little more but generally they're similar they're similar prospects in what you're hoping they they turn out to be yeah and like you said they're guys i'll have in generally the same tier or the same range and they're pretty interchangeable despite their despite their different perceptions and even though I think there's a decent chance Henry goes back I'm not sure really yeah I mean with Winston gone there's a chance he's more of a featured role next year but he has his whole his his issues with Tom Izzo that have gone back to when he was a freshman so who can who really knows there
0: I mean we don't want to draw too many assumptions from like yelling on the sidelines but um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's been some yelling on the sidelines, um, but yeah, I think they're they're on the whole pretty comparable prospects in terms of role and quality, and that is that is certainly not reflected in in the the mainstream evaluation. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into into one of yours now?
1: Sure, I'll do mine. And mine's like my first one's kind of a combo. It's
0: it's um Aaron Neesmith and wait, Sabi. don't say who it is. Oh, I want to guess.
1: Oh, I thought I was supposed to wait. How did you want to do this?
0: Who's who who is your the higher ranked guy? Nismith? Oh
1: Yeah, the higher ranked. Well, the higher ranked guy is Niesmith and Bay and Sadiq Bay.
0: Oh, okay. So the lower ranked, I don't know, Desmond Bain?
1: Yeah, it's Desmond Bain. Um, so yeah, I mean Aaron Niesmith and Sadiq Bay are are touted by the mainstream as these like they're ranked pretty highly. Um Niesmith is 17th in ESPN's uh, top 100, and he ranked 12 on Sam Biceni of the Athletics recent mock draft. Um, Bay twentieth per ESPM sixteenth for that athletic mock. Um these basically big three and D shooting wings is kind of the calling card for both Bay and Nismith. Um, they're both similar in that way is that in that they're shooting prospects that are big and don't do that much else offensively. Um, we've talked about Bay pretty at length on this podcast and how neither of us are very enthused with what he does offensively or defensively. And we haven't talked much about Neesmith, but I think both of us feel pretty similarly to about Neesmith, um, in the way that he doesn't really do much aside from shoot the ball. Um, that's kind of all he does. He's not really good on defense and he doesn't really do much on offense aside from shooting the ball. Where Desmond Bain comes in, who's I think he's shorter than both of them at six foot six, and he has notably short arms. But I think there's there's a genuine argument to be made that Bain's a better shooter than both of them, as he's as he's by far the best off dribble shooter out of the out of the three, and he has the most shooting versatility out of the three. While his while his makes aren't as credible as. As incredible as the, t- the other two, I mean, both both placed in the like the ninety eighth percentile off screens catch and shoot. We're just incredibly prolific shooters this season. Um, Bain Bain's free throw percentage has always been good, uh, or good enough, and his and his volume and his degree of difficulty on his shots is, is really excellent. And Desmond Bain uh, on ESPN's board is 59th and and forty fourth on the Athletics mock draft. Um, and Bain, while being just as good of a shooter and probably a better ancillary offensive player, I think Bane's pretty clearly a better passer than both of them and struggles similarly to get to the rim as as Bay and Nismith do. And just Bane, Bane at fifty nine or late in the second is incredible value regardless of who you're taking over. Um, and if you're going to take Bay or Nismith as these one dimensional shooting shooting wings in. In the first round, I mean, Desmond Bain is someone you should be looking at instead. Late in the second, or anywhere in the second, really. And I think you you tweeted this like that that we're doing the Terrence Davis thing over with Desmond Bain, and we really are. Although they're different prospects, um, I think Davis is a little better, but Bain is really really good, and he's not even that old for a senior too. So, Desmond Bain should be ranked a lot higher than he is, and um just looking for shooters that are going so high you can get someone comparable or even better than in Desmond Bain later in the draft
0: Bain to Neesmith was one that I considered including but I think they're a little different role wise but I mean I I agree with with like the concept and I have Bain highest of these three guys um I think the off the dribble thing is notable uh because Neesmith like Neesmith has a pronounced hitch on his pull-ups uh to the point where i'm pretty concerned about him as a pull-up shooter whereas bane i think is a, is a pretty pretty knockdown pull-up shooter and um, i don't know i i i don't entirely remember exactly why but i've had some issues with with bay as a pull-up shooter as well um, just tends to like shoot a bit of a flat ball with a with a um yeah you know, with a lot of like front rim misses um, but bane um is I think way, way ahead of Neesmith in particular as a passer. Like Niesmith, I was looking at a at a query on on Bart with like 23 plus usage, I think at under seven assist percentage. And it is all the same type of of like black holes. Uh and then Aaron Niesmith, um, which is a pretty big problem. Like the guy is a really, really bad decision maker and this year attempted 17% of his half court attempts at the rim. Keep in mind that was an almost entirely non-conference schedule. That was like not a high level of competition, and he just like wasn't there athletically or from a handle standpoint. So I recently watched like all the NeSmith games I could find, and I just I mean I soured on him a lot. Like you mentioned him on on I think our mailbag episode uh, as a one skill player. And I, I fought back against that a little bit. That he was like kind of adequate at a bunch of other stuff, but I don't even think that's the case. Like he pretty much is a one skill player, and the one skill is very good, especially as like a movement shooter. Um, but still, one skill. Whereas Bane, I think, has a lot of skills. Uh, I, I guess the, the like his set, second best skill besides height would be <laughs> team defense because I, I think that he's a pretty good team defender. He just doesn't have like the vertical to actually make plays at the rim. But I think he's he's pretty involved as a team defender and pretty aware. Um the like on the ball, I don't think he's good at all either. Like he he doesn't move well laterally. Um so yeah, I I, I agree that if you're if you're looking for like a late first shooter type, I think Bane is is the best of these guys. Um and it seems like he might not even cost you a draft pick, whereas these guys are gonna cost you, you know, first half of the first round, maybe even.
1: Yeah, so I think that's that's all we've got. So Max, you wanna go into your next guy?
0: Sure. I will do okay. I've got Ashton Hagens at forty eight on the DX board. Do you know who my value play is? Who is like definitely a better prospect than Ashton Higgins?
1: Uh, um some some point guard.
0: Um Yeah.
1: Is it like, <laughs> like Jalen Crutcher?
0: No. Uh that that's I'll give you one guess. That's it. Uh it's Sabin Lee, who's seventy eighth. Yeah. on the draft express board um they're they're like not that similar they're just I guess point guards who can't really shoot but Saban Lee is is so much more explosive uh such a better handler uh probably not as good of a point of attack defender as Hagen's. but like we've discussed before Hagen's takes a lot of risks and it isn't necessarily that sound and is not a strong team defender uh while I think Saban Lee is like a lot more apathetic at the point of attack that matters but just as an offensive player Savin Lee is I think on a on a different level. Uh even if he he you know does kind of have blinders on at times. Uh just a guy who can get to the rim 50% of the time. Li- literally 50% in the in the half court and shot really well there. Uh, I think like close to 60% field goal percentage at the rim in the half court which is really really good. Uh it was honestly to the point where I almost compared him to to Riller as a value option. Um because of just guys who can get to the rim like that and finish at a high level, um, but I went with with Hagen's because, like Saban Lee, I think is so much better than Ashton Hagans and it seems like Ashton Hagen's is going to cost you a second round pick, maybe a pretty high one, whereas Saban Lee, I I would imagine, doesn't even stay in the draft, uh, but just like a, a way, way, way better value for a somewhat similar prospect.
1: I mean, yeah, I think the uh, I think the good delineation for me comes down to like Saban Lee being a genuine prospect with like an NBA shot and like Ashton Higgins not really be. Um, we were talking about this the other day, like how many guys do we actually think have genuine NBA shot um, in this class? And Saban Lee is very much on the bubble for me. Um, and, and Higgins really isn't in that picture. I, I mean, yeah, because I, I mean, at least with Lee, um, with, with all of his flaws, the rim pressure he's going to bring is pretty considerably elite. Yeah. Um, whether or not he can shoot or really make quality decisions off of his rim pressure, that's 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 to be determined. But just drafting a guy with that with that real skill is is valuable as opposed to Higgins, whose calling card is point of attack defense, which is just so replaceable and yeah. invaluable.
0: I think Sabin Lee is a pretty skilled driver. Um, I, like especially with how he syncs up his his gather step to like really maximize the amount of ground he can cover and use long strides to get to the rim. Like he he routinely gathers like barely a step inside. The three-point arc and you know ends up at the rim finishing. Uh, so he's just a he's a very impressive rim attacker, uh, and I think that just like someone I would I would definitely draft uh, mm-hmm. as someone who could who could be a, a like a pretty nice and interesting backup point guard. Whereas Ashton Higgins, I think, is probably a very long shot to actually be worthy of a roster spot in the NBA.
1: Yeah, definitely agree there. So should we go to our next our next one? Sure. Next one? So so the prospect is is Vernon Carey.
0: Okay, the prospect is Vernon Carey. Uh, Caleb Wesson.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. I, I thought mean, about that one also. I didn't yeah. do it, but I thought about it. Although they're not the same prospect, and Carey is, quite, is definitely younger being a thing, um, when you're drafting these, these back-to-the-basket in college bigs, I mean, Wesson is just so much better in lots of ways. On ESPN's board, Carey was 28th. He was 35th in the Athletics mock. Uh, Wesson 52nd in ESPN's board and 55th the Athletics. So that's that's a difference about 30 spots. When I would say it's probably 30 spots in the reverse, if if anything, Wesson being the better prospect (laughs) than Carey. I I don't know about 30 spots, but um, I think Wesson is pretty significantly better. As Carey still has quite a few questions about whether he's actually going to shoot. His decision making is very very uh questionable and while he's a fine mover as 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 we've talked about in past episodes he's very nothing special and defensively he leaves a lot to be desired where wesson has really progressed his body over the last over the last year and has become a pretty acceptable mover and then offensively he's further ahead um while the free throw percentage has been has never been spectacular the results on his three are great he shot shot over 40 percent this year on over 100 attempts which is pretty good um, Probably not, definitely not sustainable going forward, but I think he's a fair bet to shoot given his touch and given his touch. And the passing is, the passing is really great as well as Wesson is a, an excellent short roll decision maker, a uh, passer from the post, even some passing on the move. And yeah, just Wesson is, I, I feel like he kind of gets lumped into like the Danilo Turu group of like bad backup bigs when he's really, really a, Outstanding compared to a lot of those guys. And if you're gonna be spending a, like a late first or an early second uh, round pick on on Vernon Carey, when you when all it'll take is a late second, or maybe you'll get, maybe you'll snag Wesson as an undrafted free agent. Um, definitely Caleb Wesson is a really strong value. Um, in that regard.
0: So I thought about this one, but then I started looking at some statistics and thinking about role, and. Like the key thing that that showed up to me was that this year Vernon Carey, who's like by no means a freak athlete, but is is like strong and some and like bouncy enough, I think, to be a pretty solid play finisher. Uh, Vernon Carey had 47 dunks this year, and Caleb Wesson had 11, uh, and that's something that we've harped on with Isaiah Stewart, who I think had 26, uh, as like really a striking lack of of bounce. So 11 for a center, even after Wesson slimmed down and, and added some, some vertical pop, like to dunk 11 times as a center is really bad. Um, like that honestly caused me to lower Wesson in my rankings a fair amount. And from like, I think back to back with Kerry to like pretty comfortably behind him, just because it's going to be really hard to find an offensive role. He'll, he just like has to be a, a popping big. And while I think he's like a fine shooter, he's definitely not a great one. Um, so I, I, I get the idea of that. Like, yeah, if Wesson is a priority undrafted free agent or like a late second versus carry in the late first, I get that. But it seems a lot more likely to me that carry can actually find an NBA role because like he should be a good role, man. He should be a good putback guy and like even even have some utility on at least like mismatches in the post. And yeah, like, Wesson is way ahead of him as a passer and and ahead of him as a shooter. But honestly, at the same ages, like, the, the shooting was not that far apart. Um, so I, I don't know that that one's actually that great of an alternative just on account of Wesson, like, really having a fair amount of questions from a role standpoint. Like, like um, I mean, the guy that we, we've obviously talked about a lot in terms of being, like, a, a big man alternative uh, to some of these freshmen is uh Xavier Tillman, who I think in some ways people would consider to be fairly similar to um to Wesson, but uh I forget what the number is, but his like his dunk number, even as a guy who's I think even smaller than um than Wesson, is yeah, he had 28. So it's still even like more than Stuart. Um and and by no means a good number, but it, like a totally different realm from Wesson, who who just like really might not have the the pop to be the finisher that he needs to be in the NBA. Ben, I think you're muted.
1: Yeah, and I think that's definitely a, like a fair consideration. That I think Carey is definitely more likely in that sense to have an actual role, but I think Wesson's probably more likely to be impactful if he if he finds himself good enough to to have a role and. I think that's the reason I have him as a value, and like I said, it's it, it's not the biggest one of these, but I definitely think it's preferable considering their draft position. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I I thought about that one. I don't think it it's totally off base. I just think that that the roles will be different, and I think that carry carry is a lot more likely to carve out a role. Yeah.
1: All right. So, should we go to your next guy?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. I've got Nico Mannion at fourteen, and then I've got two guys. Uh, Two, two alternatives. What is
1: is it is it like
0: Malachi and Cassius Winston? Oh, one of them. You got Malachi. Uh, and the other one is Tyrell Terry. Uh, so Malachi is 40th for DX and Tyrell Terry is somehow sixty-second. That's insane. Um, Which is nuts. But just bad frame, small point guards who have a fair amount of off ball utility derived from uh, their shooting. I think Nico is is definitely the best off ball player of the three. Um, but i think they're they're not that dissimilar i think i think niko is is probably the smartest of them uh i think that shows up a lot as a as like an off ball defender although all three are very smart players um do, who who has the best frame of those three is it is it malachi i definitely think malachi i mean i don't think his frame is that awful or at least he's not tiny. really tiny
1: it, it's he's not that small
0: Malachi's he's, pretty small.
1: But like he's not like Tyrell Terry small or not. I mean, no, but he's more
0: developed he's like, than I mean Terry yeah. definitely is the worst frame of the yeah. three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's why I also thought about including this, but I didn't think about Malachi. I I thought about the, the Terry Nico comparison. I feel like Malachi, just with his like general pick and roll ability, was kind of different from these two in, in terms yeah. of objective role. As Malachi, I mean, is a very accomplished pick and roll ball handler. M- maybe the best in the country and Um, obviously not projection wise, but one of the better ones in this class, as like you said, Nico, we talked about his value being off ball. And I think Tyrell Terry has, has potential to add a lot of value there, but I definitely do see it um, where if you're getting Tyrell Terry, regardless of value comparisons, if you can get Tyrell Terry in like undrafted, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, he's, if this is where his stock is, that's the the most ridiculous deal. And I don't think that's the case because I think the general rumblings are that his stock has been rising as of late, um, and his nice. stock is pretty good. I, I don't think. I think if he stays, like there's a good chance he's in the first round range. I think I was look. I, I think um, the athletics recent mock has him like around the 30s, um, yeah. if I remember correctly. That I, I could be totally wrong. Um, as he's rising, but yeah, I mean, I even at even in the 30s versus Nico in the lottery, I think it's a good value, and I agree. I actually have Tyrell Terry ahead of Nico Mannion. Uh, I know you don't, but I prefer no, I Terry. Think, being... I think that
0: makes sense. So I, yeah. I, think that, um, Terry is probably a worse on-ball player and has yeah. a worse frame. Um, and I'm just skeptical of. of uh, we've yeah. talked about this before. From getting to the rim in the NBA, no, I mean not. The, I mean, Nico couldn't even do that in college. I'm obviously intensely skeptical <laughs> of him doing that in the NBA. But um, yeah, I mean, the the three of these guys, I, I agree with you that Malachi is definitely the most uh developed pick and roll player he just plays with with so so much more craft and I think that he is burstier than these two as well Uh, at least like varies his his pace in a way that he gets the most out of his burst Um, but I think that they're all like fairly comparable and certainly not you know if you're taking Nico in the lottery I think Malachi in the 40s or Tyrell we'll even say Tyrell Terry in the 40s would be really good value alternatives to a broadly for a broadly similar player.
1: Yeah, and I think there's even an argument that Terry's better off-ball than Nico. I mean, at least talking about his uh, off-ball shooting. His off-ball shooting numbers were pretty ridiculous this year. And yeah, but Nico is off talented ball. of a relocator.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nico's off-ball play is more than just being a shooter, though. It's being yeah. like a really, really, like, outlier good relocator. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, should should I do another one yeah. since I've got a lot more than you? Yeah, you have more than I do, so sure. Why don't, why don't you go again? All right, I'll read at 50. Who is, who is like the value? Is it like Diakite? Yes, yeah, it's Diakite. Diakite <laughs> at eighty-five. Um,
1: uh, I did not realize he was that low. I was looking. Yeah, that's that's a good one.
0: Yeah, just like playmaking, kind of undersized fives, basically, who kind of need to be like pick and pop bigs, most likely. Um, I just don't think that there's thirty-five spaces of difference between the two of them. Um, I th- they I have them back to back in my ranks. so I, I do have Paul Reed ahead i think just like a little more coordinated with the ball uh i think younger um just bigger uh but not like not wildly different prospects by any means i think pretty similar in quality and role and even dia like probably has a more sensible role because he is like much more believable as a shooter um but yeah just like i think broadly similar players and 35 spots of difference between the two of them makes no sense
1: yeah, I'll say I haven't watched much Diakite this year as uh, Virginia is one of the teams I've seen the least out of pure avoidance. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, just that three and rim protection archetype is something that's pretty valuable. And I think Diakite definitely places himself more seamlessly into that one because, like you said, with, with Paul Reed, with his mechanical issues, the three is definitely more theoretical, even if he's maybe shot the ball a bit more than Diakite. Yeah. Yeah, both, both of these, like, bouncy-ish, like, combo bigs with without real offensive polish and some rim-protecting and defensive playmaking shops. Yeah, that one makes a lot of sense. And I don't have them, pretty sure I have them, like, 10 or so spots apart, but within the same tier. So, yeah, I think there's definitely similar prospects and shouldn't be that far apart. But, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure where Reed will end up, because he's in the 50s. I don't think that's a terrible value for Paul Reed either, but...
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, I think that's like more or less right, but probably a little low. But I, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. All
1: right, so I think that's all we have on on them. Should we get to my next one? Yeah. So I have um Jemias Ramsey.
0: I have one with Jemias too. I think it. I think we have the same one. I think it's Tyshawn.
1: Nope.
0: Oh, damn it. Okay, wait. Look. Oh, can I get no, one more guess?
1: It's not really super role analogous, or at least not in college.
0: Not in college. Hmm. Uh, is it Skylar?
1: No. Um it's Isaiah Joe, who oh. when you look into these guys are like I think are more comparable prospects than than maybe on the surface. Um because well, first of all, Ramsey um 23 on ESPN's board and Isaiah Joe 27. Not sure if they're gonna not sure if Joe is actually gonna come out or return. But I think Ramsey, like, Ramsey's billing is as this, like, really potent shot-making prospect. Um, that's, that seems to be why people like him, why people like Jamias Ramsey, as they trust him as a guy who's going to come in and make shots. As, like we talked about before, he struggles in a lot of areas. where like, he can't really get to the rim. He struggles to finish. He's a questionable decision-maker. And the defense isn't great. And I think, um, well, like, Isaiah Joe is, is – is correctly viewed as this allergic to the rim prospect who just can't do anything inside the arc. Um, he had a better free throw rate than Jamias Ramsey this year. So, Jesus. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So Isaiah Joe's free throw rate this year was twenty five point three, and Jamias Ramsey's was twenty three point two, and and that was the number that. Yeah, that was the number that sold me on this value alternative as. I, I really, like, haven't seen a super intelligently made case for Ramsey that high as, like, basically all he does is shoot, and Ramsey shot 64% from the free throw line this year. I mean, it's really hard to buy that as a package, and while Joe didn't make shots at the level he made them at his freshman year, I mean, he still shot, like, 200-something threes this year and was incredible off the dribble. Yeah, he was in the 89th percentile off the dribble, 50 EFG Um, on his pull-up jumpers this year and like a career from his career. He's like 38% from three, 83% from the line, 15.6 threes per hundred. So I think it's pretty clear that he's a very good shooting prospect. And he kind of like almost has like the same amount of on-ball creation as Ramsey. Like Ramsey can't do it at all. And like Joe flashes the occasional step back or snatch to create. So I think like in terms of of role, I guess I think Ramsey's more projected on-ball and and joe off because of what they didn't call it but i think there are a lot more similar prospects than they get credit for and yeah like i said uh ramsey anywhere in the first round is kind of wild and i think isaiah joe late in the second is great value so
0: yeah i i just i think joe is just a lot better um i i don't think they're that comparable because i mean joe for like first of all ramsey is like kind of tiny uh I, I don't think that's fully appreciated, whereas Joe is... is I mean, yes, he's very skinny, and I think that will always be a problem for him. But he does have, I think, more size and length. Um, but Joe, just how quick his trigger is how willing he is to take ambitious shots and then also just like crazy off movement shots crazy off the dribble shots like you said i mean he's he he will go to a step back like working working as a handler he has he will basically will only throw pocket passes but he's pretty good at that uh just like a totally different level of uh intellect uh especially as like a team defender uh which is why i I didn't do this comparison, but what I, I mean, I, I gave mine away that mine was Tyshawn to Jamias Um, and Tyshawn is 91st, I think for ESPN. Yeah. Something ludicrous. Yeah. 91st. Um, just like primarily, crime, by the way. Yeah. Just like <laughs> slightly, like mildly undersized off guards who are primarily spot up guys on offense. And then unlike Jamias Tyshawn is a great defender. Um, just like, I think full stop, Tyshawn is like a meaningfully better prospect than Jamias Ramsey. And Jamias is way, way, way ahead of Tyshawn uh, in these rankings. Um, but yeah, I think that there are... Jamias is a guy where I think you can probably draw a lot of these comparisons, which is why I guess like Skylar Mays and, and Tyshawn, because I think there are a lot of like maybe mildly undersized or adequately sized off-guards who have like a little bit of creation equity and are really strong shooters. And are just, I mean, by default, you're going to be a better defensive prospect than Jamias Ramsey, just because he was he was so terrible. Uh, and honestly, like the guy can't even can't even jump off of one foot and finish. So I think there are just so many great value alternatives. Like I can try to go through my board quickly and, and find them, but like Desmond Bain mentioned earlier, I think is a, is just a much better prospect than um, than Jamias I think Skyler, um, hmm, Who are some others? Like. Artur's Kuruks is, well, probably not a better prospect than Jamias, but, like, the the same idea of, like, undersized off-guard, but he's a lethal shooter and has some creation yeah. equity. I'll take,
1: like, Miles Powell if you can get him undrafted over, yeah.
0: over Ramsey. Yeah, like, a, a bit of a different style of player because I think he has yeah. to be, like, an on-ball creator, uh, like a on-ball yeah. self-creator. Undersized combo guard type. Yeah, there are just, there are so many of these guys, which is why I, I just find it <laughs> kind of insane to take Jamias that high.
1: Yeah, um, I do agree. So, why don't we go to your your do one or two? Because I only have one kind of one more. So,
0: okay, um, oh, okay. This one I, I don't love, but I threw it in. Uh, so Denny at five. I think we've talked about this. This is a uh, right? Yeah, Pokusheskii yeah. at twenty seven. Um, so yeah, I don't think either one has real creation equity. So I think taking Denny at five would be a huge mistake. Uh, in the half court. Uh, they're going to play very different roles. Pokashevsky is going to be like a movement shooter, just like absolute chucker. Um, but the same idea of like attacking off the catch, making plays as a secondary playmaker. I think honestly, Pokashevsky, like as as a guy who can like handle the occasional pick and roll, uh, has like more capability of doing that just because he has a pull-up. Uh, but both in those situations can pass. Uh, and just, you know, make make a lot of uh of their money as like uh defensive playmakers although i think denny is a much more sound team defender and uh while he probably doesn't have for his size as good movement capabilities as pokaszewski he definitely is a much more disciplined uh mover uh just like mentality wise they're the opposite like pokaszewski is very lackadaisical and denny is wildly intense uh, and then, like transit, they're like big time transition playmakers. I think is where you'll really see them handling the ball and showing off their passing. But I think, like, it, it, I mean, in the ways I described, broadly, kind of similar. And I don't think should be you know one should be a top five pick, whereas one is a fringe first. I think both are kind of you know in that mid for like that ten to twenty plus range. Um, And yeah, I mean, they're they're not. I don't think that similar in terms of play style. But broadly similar role-wise as like playmaking-ish off-ball forwards who handle in, in uh, transition and, and make lots of plays defensively.
1: Yeah, I wasn't like too sure about this because I think Denny is definitely quite a bit ahead as a defender. Um, which gave him pause, and I'm still unsure about Pokusheskii's what his actual value is going to be. I mean, but yes, I agree. Like if if Denny is going to be a top four pick, I would much rather have Pokusheskii in the late first round, as I just don't want Denny in the top four in general. Yeah, I, I think they're probably different players. As I think the idea of Denny, if you're taking him that high, is to play him on on the ball. And like we've talked about on this podcast before, neither of us believe that's going to work very well if, if it happens. But I think that's what a team might try to do. Um, and I'm not sure a team will ever try that with Um at least not early. M- maybe down the, line, down the line if he has some sort of outlier physical development. But um, I'm not that sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, broadly speaking – playmaking um four types because pokoshevsky is probably not a five um yeah he's not yeah he's not a five and then some you know both are international but that doesn't yeah i kind of hate
0: doing that comp comp between like the extreme eye roll and air quotes mystery box like white european forwards Um, yeah but but i do think that there are like some broad comparisons to be drawn between the two uh in terms of their nba roles yeah all right
1: I uh, want to go with your next one.
0: Yeah, I'll do my next one. So I've got Isaiah Stort at twenty six. Uh, I think you should be able to get this one. Is it like Zeke Najee? No, no, it's Caleb no. Wesson at fifty two. Oh,
1: you had your own Wesson.
0: I, I forgot that I had a Wesson one in here, but oh, I, you threw me off. <laughs> I think I think that Stort is probably a better point of comparison to Wesson than Carey because because of the like explosion deficiencies in that, like both probably have to be shooting bigs uh, who are like kind of bullies on the interior, but like really need the shot to be there. And Wesson is just way ahead as a shooter. um, Whereas Stuart is in like a similar place to c- carry. So he could, he could turn out as a, as a, as a strong shooter, but uh definitely behind Wesson. And then Wesson is just on a very like vastly different level as a passer uh and defender. Um, mm-hmm. And especially this year, like slimming down, adding a little more bounce, uh, I think made him a lot better defensively. Uh, Like he 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 had a huge jump in block rate. I'm gonna I'm just gonna look that up really quickly. Uh, Caleb Wesson went from last year had a block percentage of 2.9 to this year of four. Um, 2.9 for a center. Yeah, 2.9 to four. So he's still not wonderful. No, it's not. But he but he made like real strides uh, in terms of bounciness and i just think so much smarter of a player and a guy who's a lot farther along as a shooter when you're talking about i think two guys who are probably fairly long shots to make the um the nba sorry um two guys who are like probably fairly long shots to stick in the nba um i think that you know just Betting on the guy who's a lot more intelligent, who's farther along as a shooter, uh, makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I just I don't think that that there's a huge disparity between the two of them at all.
1: Yeah, I considered Stewart over carry. I, I went with carry for my Western comparison just because of offensive role, because I think ideally like Stewart's not going to be asked to pass the ball. Um, cause you just cannot do that one bit, but I think j- broadly speaking with these, the, these freshman bigs, not just, not just carry and Stewart, but even like ranging into the Wiseman territory is that there's so much value when you go later on to these, to these more fringy bigs, like fringy lower bigs, like Weston, like, like, like Najee, as I brought up, or even like Diakite, um, is likely to be a solid NBA player. So yeah, tons of value in these. Um, lower end bigs you can probably get undrafted instead of drafting a big uh, with like a late first round pick that's likely not to be a very meaningfully different NBA player than someone you could pick up on the waiver wire Um, as opposed to these these more fringy bigs like Wesson or, or, or Najee who have some real have some real avenues to value so all right you want to do your last one yeah I have my last one which this is this is kind of like, like i, I I mean I'll have you guess anyway. Uh, you're not gonna you're not what it's it's um it's Killian Hayes slash Tyrese Maxi. And you're not gonna guess it because it's not a player, but
0: Killian Hayes slash Tyrese Maxi. <laughs> oh my god. I, I don't know, waiting to draft a guard until next year.
1: <laughs> no, I just went I just went with Killian slash slash maxi to like any non-Lamello or ant bet in the top three or top four, cause just with the value drop off i mean killian uh, killian is at ninth on espn's board and maxi at 13th and for two guys firmly in my top tier that's just a really incredible value if you can actually get those guys there um and i think that's that's a big thing we talk about with his class though it's quite weak um and it's severely lacking in star power and really enticing high-end bets um there are going to be guys who are who are going to end up being really good values at the slots they end up at because like it if you're getting Killian Hayes at at 9, which is a guy who I have in my top tier, you have in your top tier, I think a majority of draft Twitter will have in their top 1, 2, or 3, or 4 at this point. Um, that's, that's a really ridiculous value and and something that's really going to add a lot of surplus value to a team because we've talked plenty about Hayes on this podcast. Um, he's got his issues, but he's a very good basketball player. And same with Maxi, who... Um, is a bit more polarizing but for me still a top tier guy even if he's a bottom of my top tier and if you're getting that in the middle of the lottery i think that's just an insane value um compared to taking someone like Toppin or wiseman or denny or a in the top three or top four no like a more than those other three but yeah i'm um, kind of kind of cheating because not really a pair of like players that i'm comparing comparing to but just just wanted to express that sentiment that if you're that if you can get Killian Hayes or Tyrese Maxi in the mid to late lottery, or or, or maybe even later, I th- that's just an that's just a big that's the big win, um in a class that's lacking a lot of optimism.
0: It seems like Maxi is pretty firmly like late lottery, even yeah, which is why like I think a lot of people ask like for you know Team X in the four to ten range or whatever, who would be the best fit, and for so many of them, it's just like you just take Tyrese Maxey, like he's better than the other guys available. And he has like a very, uh, you know, scalable and flexible fit. Um, I think that, I mean, the same is definitely true of Killian. I think there are probably like, you know, there are more concessions you have to make in order to fit Killian in. But I, I, I kind of have the feeling that he ends up rising a bit, but I don't know. Like, I think he's someone who would have done better probably if there were there was a, a pre draft pro- yeah. process because I think that he w- he probably would have looked pretty good shooting the ball, um, but yeah I mean I think that they're they're definitely just undervalued players for sure
1: yeah and like although they're not like as massive of like value jumps numerically like like it's not thirty spots between Reed and Diakite I mean five spots in the top ten is infinitely more meaningful than yeah than 30 spots lower in the draft and just that disparity of getting a guy who has a legitimate has like a legitimate case as the best player in this class i mean he's very close for me um or he's definitely in that range as the best player in this class getting him anywhere in like 9 10 is 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 super awesome value
0: yeah it's definitely a higher leverage difference um And yeah, yeah, just get, I mean, getting, if you're getting Killian at 11, whereas someone has to pay the number one pick to get Anthony Edwards, I'm feeling very good as the team that that got Killian Hayes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So that was my last one. So why don't you get into your last, what, do you have two more? I have two
0: more. One of them is kind of fake. I'll do the fake one first. So it's Elijah Hughes at 44. Um, I mean, you can try to guess it, but it's kind of fake. It's not one player.
1: Not one player? Um... What is it like? is it like Kuroks?
0: No no, it's not oh. one it's it's any oh. like six six shooter. Oh. I just don't I just don't understand why Elijah Hughes is the one that they've picked out to have as a top 45 guy like top 45 picks are very valuable uh and Elijah Hughes is just like not that much of a prospect even and they're just I think there are just a handful of guys I mean it's sort of a similar idea to the Jemias thing where you just pick out like so many of these. Of these guys in like the six four to six seven range, uh, who are just like better shooters and better everything else. Um, so yeah, I just I don't understand why you would have Elijah Hughes at forty four, uh, and yeah, I would prefer as a value alternative if he's actually going there. Like pretty much any any shooter around that size.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen a ton of Hughes, um, also because of conscious aversion to the team he plays for. Yeah, I mean, same for me. But I think Hughes, like, like to Hughes' credit, I think he's a little more than a shooter. Like, he definitely has some, some, some handling capabilities, and he's shown some passing in the games that I've seen. And like you said, I mean, playing in a zone, the defense is going to be difficult to evaluate. But he seems like he has some instincts. But like broadly speaking, I agree with you. I think he's he's no more special than a lot of these guys that are getting mocked. Way later or not getting mocked at all. Um, I think Hughes is a bit better than those guys, but then again, n- not the disparity that 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 um, ESPN or these these outlets have him as.
0: Yeah, I mean, just for a guy at that age and size, who's primarily a spot up guy, not not a movement guy. I just don't think that's all that valuable, and they're they're just you know those guys are a dime a dozen, and so putting a premium on that for for a guy like Elijah Hughes who hasn't even been. That good of a shooter, like he's a he's a good shooter. The the, the volume is positive. I'm pretty but sure he's
1: the, only hit like thirty five. Yeah, I mean he
0: was at thirty four percent this year. His yeah. for his career, he's at thirty four point two percent on six point one attempts a game, which is five hundred and fifty two total attempts. And he's old. uh I just I don't yeah, really get also it. Also, his
1: first year of shooting over eighty percent from the free throw line too, which is
0: yeah I mean the previous free uh, throw numbers were like five k okay. uh i'm trying I'm trying to figure out the total I think they were number in the high seventies oh, No, 71.5% oh, wow. to this year um so yeah I just like not even a particularly special shooter, not even really close actually not not all that good of a shooter um so yeah I just that's one that I don't really get at all um I just don't understand why he's someone who's been picked out to be ranked that highly, yeah.
1: All right, so should we go to your last one,
0: yeah, my last one is Daniel Oturu at thirty-six. Oh God, um, this really could be a lot of different, um, yeah, could be guys. But this, I do have, I have this, one specific guy. Is this Days? No, no, no. Oh, or is it, it not? No, it's it's uh it's an international. It's Marco Simonovich who oh. is not ranked on ESPN, but the idea behind it is. For Daniel Turu, like, I feel like the whole selling point is that he was a productive player. And I don't know what exactly the statistical st- statistical transition translation is of um, ABA, the, the Adriatic League, t- versus uh, NCAA, but if you're just valuing guys that are productive, Marko Siminovic is, like, comparably productive. He was like, a very, very productive 19-year-old um, center in the ABA, and... Uh, I just think, as a play finishing big man uh, who, like, conceivably could shoot, I think Simonovich is a lot, you know, more viable of a shooting bet than Oturu. Like, mechanically, Simonovich is pretty good, uh, and took a big jump in terms of three point volume and free throw percentage this year. Uh, he's he's a like a really nice touch around the rim and is a, just a solid finisher. Um, it's like similarly skinny. Uh, definitely, like plays with less of a motor than Oturu. Uh, I don't think either is a particularly good mover. Um, but and then I think crucially for for a big man it, uh, nowadays that Simonovich is like a pretty damn good passer on the roll, and Oturu doesn't pass. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know neither of them is is like particularly likely to be an NBA player, and Oturu may well get drafted in the first round. And I I honestly think Simonovich is is like a considerably better prospect. Uh, and just, if you're going to, if you're going to value production, I, I don't understand why that doesn't apply to, to people who are doing it abroad, possibly against better competition. Uh, again, I, I don't entirely know what the um the most recent statistical, you know, uh, analysis of that is. I saw one that was, that was like four or five years old. And I think the ABA was like a, a good bit better than like the SEC, for example, on this, on this, um you know, research. I don't. I don't know how that applies to um uh what is it Big Ten, um, for or, or the current ABA. But like in the, the ABA is like littered with with former NBA players. I will say, like, like definitely not great ones, but like a, the best players in the ABA are guys who you would recognize as NBA players uh, slash guys who never made it in the NBA, but were like either late. Uh, second round picks or priority undrafted free agents or just guys who were really good college players. Like basically like all of the good scoring guards in the ABA, you go and check their sports reference page and they were like great, great scorers in, in college and are just like not good passers at their size or like too small or whatever. But, but the point is that it's, it's like a fairly talented league uh, at least compared to, to uh, you know, some college conferences and if you're very productive there at 19, I think that that should should definitely draw, uh, you know, as much consideration as as Daniel Oturu being very productive.
1: Yeah, and the analysis Max was referring to was done by Lane Vashro of Step Back or not not Step Back uh, Nylon not Calculus um, ABA ABA was 16 spots ahead of the Big Ten back in I think it was 2014 or 2015 back then um i believe the aba is generally considered like the best non-acb domestic league um because um spanish league acb is the best domestic league not counting the euro league obviously and then i think people generally consider um the adriatic to be next in line or at least up there because yeah like it's a pretty good domestic league and that has produced quite a few nba players and like i said i haven't seen simonovich so i don't so i can't comment on him. But yeah, just the, the idea of Oturu being a mid for a mid, like second round pick is pretty, pretty crazy. Higher um, than mid, though. Hi, he,
0: he's, yeah. I mean, he's 36th for DX, and like you'll pretty consistently see him mocked in the late first. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a guy that this is a guy who's be- going to draw like a huge yeah. investment in him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'll say I, I've seen some smart people say that he was more impressive defensively, like in in AAU. Um, but still, I, I don't think that's enough to buy him like anywhere near his stock at this point. Yeah, like you said, um, pretty much any any of these like fringy ish bigs are better bets than Oturu um anywhere in the top sixty picks that you can get undrafted. I mean, just like just like locking yourself into an Oturu contract is is a worse option than. Than getting than like throwing a summer league invite at like Suminovich or one of the other guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that I mean that was my last comparison. Should we do uh, guys who who have caught our eyes recently?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Um, and I only have like one guy. Um, like, oh, it, it's more just updated thoughts um, mm-hmm. on Tyrese Halliburton. So I was watching, um, like for reasons other than Halliburton purposes. I was I caught the. <laughs> It was the Iowa State versus Northern Illinois game early in the season. And it was just such a stark like realization of just just, just, just continual reinforcement of what Halliburton is not, and that's not a lead guard. I mean, he routinely struggled to separate and blow by um, Northern Illinois defenders. And Northern Illinois has about the 240th ranked defense in the country. It, it, it's, it's not great. Um, and Halliburton just routinely struggled to blow by. Um and then he was getting blown by 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 their players, and it, it it was really difficult to to not pay attention to Halliburton struggling mightily. I mean, he was super timid uh, shooting off the pole and off off movement. I think just the, the like stuff like that matters. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about this too much because we've belabored this point to no end about Halliburton not being a lead guard, but like stuff like that where he where he really struggles against really poor NCAA competition matters a lot, and like but like, like you've been tweeting about like with the queries relating to his free throw rate I believe like yeah. it's just very unlikely that he's like a meaningful NBA player without his physical souls unless he's like a nuclear shooter which really doesn't seem like it, so
0: yeah so I wanted to mention the free throw rate thing because it was something that popped up that he had an 18.4 percent free throw rate this year which is just like wildly insanely bad uh And so I was looking at guys who had been drafted since 08, which is as far back as Bart goes with a free throw rate under 20. And even if you limit it to first round guys, the thing that's concerning to me is that it's all the same type of guy. Like they're all, they're all shooters, at least like, like it's a bunch of guys that are just like not very good NBA players. And then the, the like very good ones are, I think, buddy healed clay and and herder i guess if you want to include him like terrence ross but but the two guys who are who've you know returned value on top 10 picks i would say and buddy and clay are like all-time great shooters and that's not to say that that um halliburton is going to wind up being uh i don't know like admiral schofield because he won't (laughs) be but the problem is the idea that Halliburton has some sort of high-level upside when he's that physically limited is a really tough sell to me. Uh, and of course, just something we've talked about a lot before, that, that it doesn't make a lot of sense to be uh, thinking of Tyrese Halliburton as a top five, top ten even pick when the hope is that he's going to be this connecting player. Uh, and I know that this this class is bad and it's low on realistic high end outcomes, but I think there are still guys that I would rather take the high end outcomes with, or even like I, I recently moved Wiseman even ahead of Tyrese Halliburton just because I think wow. Wiseman is gonna Wiseman is going to be I think probably a pretty good regular season player uh, and play a lot of minutes, and yeah, maybe he won't be able to play um, you know crunch time and. Might not be the best playoff player, but just like if you're if you're talking about a guy that's if your hope is just like high floor, um, I, I just don't think that Halliburton is is that worthwhile. Like, I don't want that the floor over you know even fringe upside shots in like RJ Hampton types, Landro Bolmaro. Um, I just don't think it makes any sense to make that sort of a compromise, uh, even in a class this bad.
1: Yeah, where do you have Halliburton now?
0: I have him fifteenth.
1: Okay. I have him that same range So Yeah, I mean um, I've I've
0: run him in the same tier. Yeah, he's been there
1: since he's been like 13, 14, 15 for me since since November. I mean.
0: Yeah. Like I think he'll be a, a solid NBA player. Like he'll he'll fit into well, actually, he could be a solid NBA player and could fit nicely into a team construct. The problem is that he seems to be his stock seems to be high enough that he will draft be drafted to be a lead guard. And as we talked about on the misutilizing lottery picks episode, um, like he will fail if he is relied upon to be a lead guard because guys with his physical tools just like can't win. Like you can't, you can't be a lead ball handler when your handle is that bad, when you're that weak, when you're that lacking in burst, when you're that just like scared of contact Uh, it just, it doesn't work. And I think that you, you see that time and time again when you just look at the you know historical analogs for him all right so
1: enough Halliburton talk um, at this point so I wanted to go with your guy or guys Max
0: yeah so this week I've been watching international guys so I've got three international guys
1: Wait, can I guess the three sure um is it Alexa Radnov Boris Assimenich and Vit? um however you say his last name
0: be crazy no you got two of them. Uh, crazy. not one of them. Ugh. Uh, I'll go with the one that you missed first. Carlos Allison, Ugh. because he's not, uh, he's not in this any. class. De Quare, but he would be the top ranked, of uh, of these guys that I'm talking about for sure. Oh, yeah. And maybe even a couple others. He's just like so slippery and fun. Uh, like not, not a high level athlete by any means, but it kind of doesn't matter. Like he, he's uniquely capable of like maneuvering around the floor and finishing while draped with defenders. Um, just someone I'm I'm excited to watch in the future uh, because he's fun and I wish he had declared. Um, I don't know. Do you, have a, do you have any Allison takes?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I, I do agree um, with that sentiment. If you can find the um, the Allison versus uh, Archer Zagars um, Archer Zagars matchup um, in A C B, uh, that's a fun one because okay, the, uh, Zagars is another fun guy. But yeah, I mean, not much else to say. Just a really interest. Just a certainly an interesting. Um, like slippery slashing passing point guard, but I think probably has like fringe first round equity in this class if he were to come out. But, um, like Max said, he decided not to enter his name in, into this, this draft class, so he will not be yeah. coming out.
0: Uh, okay, and then the other two, the two that you've got right, uh, I guess I'll do Alexa Radanov first. Um, he is a like six seven. Uh, Wing, who plays for FMP, I forget what they're called, FMP something, um, in the Adriatic League. Uh, Yeah, he's just, I think, is a pretty impressive ball handler, uh, by no means an explosive athlete, but I think maybe good enough and statistically has made strides as a shooter this year. I don't know what his shot looked like in the past, but it looks pretty solid now i would say like he he seems to need to get some more knee bend uh and seems to miss short a lot but uh the upper body seems pretty good uh just generally seems to be in a fairly sound spot the pull up is is not viable it's really really slow but off the catch i kind of buy him uh and then i think that you he he can he actually like leverages his body well on drives and can get low uh and is a pretty solid passer you know, has even some moments where he's manipulative with his eyes Uh, and I think for the most part was pretty solid defensively as well. Uh, so just a a guy that I think probably is not a good enough shooter or athlete to succeed in the NBA, but someone I, I would consider as a draft and stash type just to, to get his rights because you're, you're not going to be drafting probably like underclassmen college players with the 57th pick. This is where people use, uh, picks on draft and stash guys. So even if you have to go down your board a bit and hes he's like in my 70s, I think, uh, but nonetheless, I think he's a, he's a guy I would draft and and sit around and see if he turns into anything over the next few years. He is old like he's auto eligible this year, so I think he's 22 years old. But I, I think that as a six seven guy who who seems to have made some strides as a shooter and and has some utility handling the ball, i think it's a pretty rare skill set uh and so i i think he's a he's a very real prospect and i was i was pretty impressed yeah it's been about a year since i've seen radnov
1: so i won't have any firm takes like like max said i was turned off by the athleticism and lack of shooting um i remember not being impressed by either but i've not seen him play this year so i will have updated takes at some point on him
0: uh and then the other one that you guessed was Borisa Simonich. uh a very frustrating player in that he is wildly um lacking in aggression like he he just like won't take shots very often which is frustrating because he legitimately might be the best big man shooter in the class like we did on our mailbag episode how many big man shooters in this class would you not want to leave open and i hadn't seen Simish at the time but like he's absolutely on that list. Uh, like, honestly, as, as just like a pure spot up guy, like if I had to pick one of the big men in this class that I like would close out to, uh, it would probably be him. Cause he is just like a lethal, lethal shooter and even has some like utility off the dribble, which is pretty cool to watch. Um, I'm not wild about his movement. Uh, just seems to have pretty sluggish feet. Uh, just like, can't, can't really get out on the perimeter, which is a shame because he like might have to He probably is a four just because he doesn't have like the vertical or strength to defend the interior um he does he does have some nice moments though as a help defender protecting the rim and honestly like that seems to be a pretty solid strength of this class uh three and rim protection players like both uh overseas and in college there are just like so many of these guys as um you know centers and forwards like everyone from like a like Jaden McDaniels I know is not a popular player but like has some three and rim protection equity Robert Woodard uh Simenich Poku like there there are so many of these guys and that's definitely a coveted combination of skills but among these guys Simenich is just an an otherworldly shooter uh I just think that his lack of aggression like probably will derail him to the point where i i don't think that he's an nba player but just being that special of a shooter at that size uh i think is is definitely worth a gamble and another guy who i who i would like definitely be interested in as a draft and stash
1: i was quietly expecting one of your value alternatives to be poku and simonich I, I i thought about it yeah. i thought about it for, I thought I wanna, about um for one of the shout out our friend spencer perlman who is the foremost simonich guy um but yeah, I mean, I like like Radnov. It's been about a year since I've seen Siminich. I'm still behind on on international prospects, but yeah, I mean, just just like a six ten guy with his level of shooting is is really valuable. I mean, as size increases, the value of shooting does as well. Uh, there, there just aren't a lot of guys at that size in in the NBA who shoot like Simenich does. And like Max said, if the aggression problem can be remedied, which is a big if because it's really hard to quantify how that how
0: something like that's a, a huge problem yeah like, like you know drug on bender uh yeah I, th- I think spencer's mentioned bender as like a scary point of comparison for simonich with the lack of aggression um yeah so like th- i don't want to undersell the lack of aggression like that's a huge deal yeah i mean just
1: that's not a replaceable skill set with a shooting but yeah. i mean not someone i've seen and like rad no, someone i'll eventually have have updated takes on
0: yeah, it's just, I think it's he's a rare level of big man shooter. The reason I didn't include him with Poku is that just like totally different levels of mover, I think, even with Poku's technical flaws. And that's why I want grouped Poku and Denny because I think for their size, the way they move is pretty different from Simonich, who really like I think moves a lot more like a big man.
1: All right, so I think that is all we have for today. A um, bit of a shorter episode by our standards, but, but that's all right. Um, make sure to leave nice reviews, rate the pod, subscribe. Um, app, we're on Apple. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. Uh, you can follow the pod at Prep number two pro pod. Um, anything else you want to add? Nope, all good. Yeah, I think we're good uh, for today. So have a nice day. hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you later.